0: morning. (laughs) Welcome to the love challenge. I'm super excited today to to bring this word and I want to ask how many of you have a birthmark? Anybody? Apparently we all do but some of them are just not visible. Can anybody share where their birthmark is or what it looks like? Okay so anyway so let's move on. Um, A birthmark is something that distinguishes us from everyone else in the world, and it's obviously it's evidence of something. I I like that Kelly used the term that we are marked by generosity. Um, We're going to talk about kind of the culmination of the book of 1 John now when we get into chapter 5. Uh, Some theologians say this is one of the most difficult chapters in the entire Bible, Um, so we're obviously not going to dive super, super deep, but I really believe that the Holy Spirit has a specific message for somebody here today, actually for everybody here today. Um, We're going to talk about the three things that mark us, and I like to use uh, acronyms to remind me of things. So the acronym today is LOB, like you're lobbing something or, you know, it's actually in, in racquetball, it's a specific kind of a serve where you hit it really, really high and then it bounces into the back and they think, oh, this is going to be super easy to return. And it's actually really hard to return. So it's called a lob in tennis. There's a lob too. Tennis players, anybody? Nope. No athletes. Okay. Cool. So, <laughs> He's a tennis player. <coughs> racquetball. Okay. Um, but, but the lob stands for love obedience, and belief. And these are the three things that John keeps going back to. So remember, John was somebody who hung out with Jesus. For three solid years, John was called, um, he, well, he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he knows this stuff, and he's saying, if you call yourself by the name of Jesus, you will love people, Love God and love people, you will be obedient to the commands of God and you will believe that Jesus is the Christ. So let's get into this right now. We're starting with 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, what this means is if you believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation, There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who are saved and going to heaven and those who are not saved and not going to heaven. Those are the two types of people. Out of eight billion people in the world, we can categorize them that way. There's no such thing as being like sort of saved. That's like being sort of pregnant. You have to be, either you're saved, you you rely on Jesus Christ for your salvation, you rely on the finished work that he did on the cross when he paid the price for our sins, or you are gonna try to do it on your own, which you can't, because no one is perfect. You know the saying, nobody's perfect, that's true. None of us. All have sinned. Everybody has fallen short of God's glory. So the only two types of people are those who believe that Jesus, God who became flesh and lived with us, that he is the way The truth and the life. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah born of God. And it goes on and says Everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. How many of you know that if if you have a dear friend, like let's say, for example, you have a friend who doesn't live around here and you find out they have a child, aren't you kind of interested to meet the child of someone that you love? And how many have heard the term mama bear? If you want to tick off a mother, how do you do that? Say something nasty about her child, right? Because if you love someone, you're going to naturally want to to be affectionate and love their child, right? And this is what this is saying. Everyone who loves the father loves the child as well. You cannot just love heavenly father without loving Jesus, his only begotten son, And it says in verse two, these first two things cover the whole lob. They cover the love, they cover the obedience, and they cover the belief. So everyone who first thing believes Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who loves the father, loves the child as well. And this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. It's saying if we truly love God, we will desire to please him, we'll desire to obey him. It's not like this burdensome thing, and and we're going to get into that in verse 3 here. It says, in fact, this love for God is to keep his commands. You know, there are so many people that, that call themselves by the name of Jesus But they don't obey anything that he asks them to do. They're not loving. They don't love God. They don't love the body of Christ. They don't love other people. But yet they want to believe that they're Christian. I was one of those people. I mean, my whole thing was I'm an American. So obviously I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Right? America. But it it says here, the love of God is to keep his commands. If we love someone, we want to serve them, don't we? It's like I I had um, my grandbabies spent the night on Friday night, and it's like, it's so, as as a grandparent, it is so hard to say no to your (laughs) grandchildren. Like literally everything that they want, I want to give them. I know that I can't, mom and dad, I know that I can't, but it's like, I just want to, do everything for them. I want to do everything they love. I want to just, I, I just want to pour out my love on them. And unfortunately, they don't get their, their part of it is that if they love me back, they're supposed to obey me. They miss that part of it. But um, it, so it says here, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And I love this. This is one of my most favorite passages in the entire Bible. It says, his commands are not burdensome. Oh, what a relief. Isn't that such a relief, especially living in an area where it's all about how much you can do, how much you can achieve, how much you can do to prove that you love God. It's not about proving that you love God. It's not about a list of rules. It's about a relationship. It's about truly coming to know him by being in his presence and by honoring him and by reading the word. That's what it's really about. It's not burdensome. How many of you needed to hear that this morning? His commands are not burdensome. God doesn't want to lay this heavy trip on you and just go, let's see how you do. That's not how he is, he's not psycho. You glad you came to church today and learned, wow, God's not psycho. He's also not dead, as the movie says. So God's commands are not burdensome. You know, the story of Jacob, he wanted to marry a woman named Rachel, and he worked for her for seven years, and then went to the father and said, okay, I want to marry your daughter now. And the father goes, okay, you can marry my daughter. Psych, he gave Jacob Leah, who was not the one that Jacob wanted to marry. And then Laban, uh, her dad, says, okay, you have to work for another seven years. And so he had to work for another seven. So he worked for 14 years. And all of those, it says in the Bible, it says, in Genesis 29, 18, seven years of Jacob's service for Laban seemed only a few days to him. Because of the love he had for Rachel. Isn't that so powerful? He was just like, I love her so much. I'll do anything. I will do anything for her. To obey God's commands doesn't seem like a burden when we really love him. There's an old proverb that says, love feels no loads. Isn't that so true? Do you, do you understand what this is saying? This is saying that if you truly love someone, it's, it's a pleasure you know, like at Chick-fil-A when you get an order and they're trained to say, you say, oh, well, th- you know, thank you. They're like, my pleasure. I love that. My pleasure. And it's like the same thing. When we, when we love God and we love others, it should be our pleasure. It shouldn't feel like this obligation. Well, I guess I have to serve. If you, if you feel like that, you feel like I'm obligated to serve or I'm obligated to give, or I'm obligated to tithe, or I'm obligated to do all these things. That's not the heart that God wants for us to elicit. He wants it to be birthed out of a genuine love for him and a genuine love for his people, which we really only can have by his spirit, that agape love we talked about last week. One of the ways... To really come to know the Lord and to really come to understand and to love him is through daily rhythms. They talk about daily rhythms a lot in in different um, spiritual aspects. One of the best daily rhythms is to wake up and first thing in the morning to begin to thank God. Which is so hard to do some days, isn't it? When that alarm goes off a little too early. But a daily rhythm is spending time in his presence, letting him quiet your soul, letting him just pour out his peace on you. It changes everything, doesn't it? For those who do that, you know, spending time in his presence so that you don't feel obligated to go and serve him or to be kind. It's just, it kind of naturally just flows out of you. You know, one of the, what, one of the most violated of the Ten Commandments is which one. Anybody want to guess? Which one is the, the one that's probably disregarded more than any other, other Ten Commandments? Yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> but the, the one I think that is the most neglected is the Sabbath. Hear God saying, I have a gift for you. You work for six days, and then on the seventh day, you rest. See, the Sabbath is not supposed to be a burden. It's supposed to be a gift. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I want you to really consider this. If this made God's top ten... Is this not an important principle? And some people are like, oh, that's Old Covenant. No, I don't think so. I think the Bible makes a case that Sabbath is something we are supposed to continue. I mean, did did murder? I mean, is it suddenly okay to murder now because we're in the New Testament or New Covenant? Is it okay to commit adultery now? Is it okay to take the, the Lord's name in vain? Is it okay to, to worship idols? None of the other commandments passed away. Sabbath is However you do it, it doesn't have to be on Sunday. It doesn't have to be a specific time, but a 24-hour period of time where you don't work. And in Israel, they take this very seriously. I mean, they, they get everything all ready the day before. I mean, a, a Friday during the day, they, they do sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And that's their 24 hour period. So they get all of their food ready. They get everything ready so they don't have to work. So they rest. I just want to strongly encourage you please begin to figure out how you can have a Sabbath somehow to honor the Lord, to keep the commandment, to honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. It doesn't have to be on Sunday, it can be, you know, it can be Friday night to Saturday night. Or, you know, whatever works out with your schedule. But God has given us six days to do our work. And He says, then rest on the seventh. Even God, Almighty God, who created the heavens and the earth, He took Sabbath. And this is the thing that is so cool. So God did all this, created everything. And then it says He created humans on the sixth day and said that was very good. Then the next day was the seventh day of creation, and that's when God rested. But it was the first day for humans. So it's actually, Sabbath is actually to prepare you for what is ahead. It's not to recoup from this horrible week or recover from being so exhausted. It's actually to prepare you. And one of the things that we really believe here at The Adventure is that one of the one of the purposes for us existing here is to help people to discover who they were created to be and one of the best ways to do that is to take a step back and just reflect and just you know sit and sit in the lord's presence get into the word and allow the lord to speak to you about who you were called to be We want to be the wind in people's sails. We want to help you discover who you are, who you are called to be. Because God has made us all so unique and there's no no pattern that you can follow because we're all individual. All eight billion people in the world are all different. Every single one. So Sabbath is a gift. Sabbath is a gift for our physical and for our spiritual and for our mental health. And um, the goal of this is always God. It's always more of God. It's not just for rest, although he does call us to enter into his rest. But I start, I've started to realize, you know, we did the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and the, th- the three things that I continuously w- was praying, I was praying and asking God to give me strength and clarity and wisdom. And... Um, I feel like he really did that. And uh, I've come to the realization um, through spending time in prayer and through a loving but difficult conversation that I had, um, I've come to realize that... um, I need to take um, an extended Sabbath. Um, Some people call it a sabbatical. Um, You know, over the last few years, um, I think a lot of the pain and the loss has really taken a toll on my soul. And I want to be who God created me to be, and I want to be the best version of that. And I think that for me to just continue to try to figure it out and to try to um, just try to suck it up and do it, you know, the Midwestern work ethic, um, I'm realizing that I'm I'm not able to do that. And so um, I am going to be taking a sabbatical. Um, we're going to be talking about this throughout the month, but um, I will send a follow-up email if you are... Um, if you're not on our um, email list, um, you can email connect at theadventure.church, and you'll receive this letter explaining, you know, kind of where I'm at and, and what's going on. But I do, I want to say that um, my my team and my staff is very supportive, and they are very, very capable, and they are, um, are going to step it up. And I want to just challenge you and encourage you that if the holy spirit is calling you now is a time to rise up and and i want to speak especially to the men of the adventure and i feel like god is doing a new thing in the men here at the adventure i feel like god is is raising up an army but i just want to encourage you to go for it go for it and discover who god created you to be and walk in that this is not a time to shrink back so um, we will continue to talk about this, but I, I really i am believing that the Lord is calling me to rest and to reflect and um, to be revived. And um, I want to make it clear that it's not, a, it's not a vacation, although I probably will take a vacation. Um, that's not what this is about. This is about me getting healthy emotionally, and um, I hope that this doesn't come as a shock to you, but um, I really believe that the Lord really has really confirmed to me that this is what I need to do. So I, I covet your prayers. I love you. I love you guys, too. You know that, and that's... Thank you. And, and you know, there's so much talk about mental health and, and everything, and I just think, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. And if if I'm struggling, I mean there were some some kind of red flags for me. You know, I just kind of started to see some things in myself, and I'll go more into that in the letter. But I I just I want you to know that um, there are a lot of resources you can look at and find out. Many churches build sabbatical into their pastoral teams, but we have neglected to do that, and so I think that this is um, maybe part of the result for me, so I'm not cracking up, I'm not going crazy, and I'm not going anywhere, but I I feel like it's time for me to just step into what God is calling me to do, so thank you for your love and and for your understanding. The goal is God. Just like in a regular Sabbath, I I I'm, I want to seek God. I want to find Him in the midst of all of this, and I do want to get some healing from a lot of trauma and a lot of loss over the last few years. And I'm not saying this to get any kind of self pity um, or any kind of pity from you. So, you guys good? You okay? Thank you. You know, going on in this passage, it says everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And part of the way that we do that is by obeying God, even when it kind of doesn't make sense. You know, Sabbath does not make sense, does it? Taking a Sabbath doesn't make sense. Taking a sabbatical doesn't make sense. But when God calls you to do something, it's really important that If you love him that you'll obey him. So I love this in verse, uh, what verse is it, four. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world and it says, this is the victory. The, The word for that, guess what the word is? Nikkei or Nike, anybody own Nikes? Anybody into sneakers? This is the victory, obeying God. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith, what our faith calls us to do is rely completely on the Lord. His commands are not burdensome. See, that's the cool thing about this is that we can rely on him, Jesus as the Christ, as our savior, as the lover of our soul. It says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Charles Spurgeon, who is a a very well-known theologian said, look at any Greek lexicon you like and you will find that the word faith or believe does not merely mean to believe, but to trust, to confide in, to commit to, to entrust with, and so forth. The very marrow of the meaning of faith is confidence in and reliance upon. Anytime it says faith or belief, this means like, oh, Hold on one second. Again, I'm going to use this analogy of the chair. Here's a chair. I can stand here all day and say, I believe that this chair could support me. I believe that if I sat in this chair, I would not, it wouldn't go crashing down. But until I actually sit in the chair, I believe the chair will hold me. My reliance is on the chair. I'm depending on the chair to hold me up. Until I do that, it's not really truly faith, right? It's not really truly reliance on the chair. It's just believing, sort of. But true belief means I'm actually going to sit in it and it will hold me up. And that's what I feel like the word of the Lord is today. And I love that. the the light that's behind us. You know, there are times where God goes before us. There are times where he goes next to us. But there are seasons of life where God is behind us, leading us from behind. And those are the times where it's hard to sense his presence. It's hard to know that he is with you and that he's for you. But like Angela said, as we turn around and face the light... It says in Psalm 34, our faces will be radiant. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, you probably all know this. You might even have it memorized, but it says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Everybody take a deep breath. Now breathe out. Just like that song, it's his breath in our lungs that we pour out our praise to him. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, he's saying his commands are not burdensome. His commands should not be something that we feel like we have to do. This is something that we delight to do. And this is what I'm hoping for, for all of us, as we obey whatever it is that the Lord's calling us to do. Amen. This morning, I'm super excited. We are having a baptism. Woo! I'm so excited. Um, This is this is a powerful powerful thing. Again, baptism, if you don't know the Lord or, and and you've never seen this, it's just like a really weird thing like what? You I mean, my husband um he he was a a heathen and so he had this girl who kind of had a crush on him in high school, and she invited him to come to their church when they were doing a baptism. And I'm sure she thought, you know, this is a really good good way to kind of get him to come to church. And he went and he was just like, what in the world was that? You're dunking people under the water? And then everybody claps. He was like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. But isn't it true that there are certain things that God has us do that just are like, what? Why? What in the world does this mean? Like take a day off every seven days. That does not make sense. Give 10% your first fruits of everything you make. Give that back to God. That does not make sense, does it? Lay down your life for others. Lose your life for the sake of others. None of this seems to make sense. Baptism doesn't seem to make sense. But when you hear these testimonies, I, I promise you, you are going to be moved by this. So um, I think Are they going to bring the kids in? Good. We're going to have the kids. We want the kids to be here. So um, God bless you guys. If you don't know Jesus, I just want to encourage you. um, Please come and talk to me or talk to the person that brought you. Um, I can promise you that there is such a thing as being born again, being born of the spirit of the living God. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, unless you are born again, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So if you are not born again, you're not in that camp of being born again, saved, please come and talk to me or talk to somebody. Don't leave this building without giving your heart to Jesus and opening yourself up to being born again of his spirit. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. I love you.